This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in your podcast app. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Stacy Kenfield. I'm an associate professor in the urology and epidemiology and biostatistics departments at UCSF. Dr. June Chan is joining me for this session. She's also a professor of epidemiology and biostatistics and urology at UCSF. Today, we're going to be presenting research highlights from the past year, summarizing diet and exercise recommendations for men with prostate cancer, discuss our open studies at UCSF, and do a short Q&A if, if warranted at the end, if there's time. So this year, several studies aim to examine this question among men with prostate cancer. Are health behavior scores associated with risk of prostate cancer progression and mortality? I will highlight three published studies. First, this slide summarizes the components of the scores that we developed. You can see that there's some overlap of the scores. For example, all include physical activity. I wanna note that the two scores on the left are specific to prostate cancer, where the two scores on the right, the American Cancer Society score and the World Cancer Research Fund and American Institute for Cancer Research score, um, are really geared for general recommendations for cancer prevention and survivorship. Next slide. We did this analysis in the health professionals follow-up study of a cohort of 4,500 men with non-metastatic prostate cancer. We included 219 prostate cancer specific deaths with a median follow-up of about 10 years. Next slide. And here you can see the main findings from this analysis. I wanna orient you to this figure. What we do is compare the extreme groups. So we're looking at those with the highest scores versus those with the lowest scores across these four scores. The hazard ratio of one in the middle indicates no association between the score and the outcome of prostate cancer death. And a score less than one indicates a benefit, a score greater than one indicates an increased risk of prostate cancer death. So you can see that there are two scores on the left that both are less than one. And I just wanna highlight the score, the 2015 prostate cancer score where we saw a statistically significant finding. Next slide. What we found was that a one point increase in this 2015 score was associated with a 19% reduction in risk of prostate cancer death. And this score included these six factors, a healthy BMI, higher intensity physical activity, not smoking, eating tomatoes, eating fatty fish and limiting processed meat. Each component of the score was scored zero or one points and the cutoffs for these scores are shown on the right. Um, a greater number of points means greater adherence to this lifestyle score. And so we would encourage men with prostate cancer to try and adopt as many of these factors as possible to reduce one's risk of prostate cancer death. I want to note that in a distinct population of men with prostate cancer, when we examined cancer progression, all of the scores, this one and the other three, indicated a benefit. And we plan to publish those results in 2023. Let's move on. So our second highlight um, is where we looked at indices that reflect inflammation levels in the body, having high insulin levels and losing sensitivity to insulin. And these last two indices reflect healthy control of blood sugar. 
For this analysis, we used the capture cohort based at UCSF. This included 2,000 men with non-metastatic prostate cancer where we looked at risk of prostate cancer progression. And we also did a secondary analysis of 2,500 men with non-metastatic prostate cancer where we looked at prostate cancer death. We followed these men for a median follow-up of six years and looked at five different indices, three that focused on diet only and two that focused on diet plus physical activity and body mass index. Next slide. And here are those results. So let me orient you to this figure. The blue bars indicate the scores associated with prostate cancer progression, while the green bars indicate the association of the scores with prostate cancer specific mortality. And if you look at the three first blue bars, you can see that the bars and the points are all above one, which show that the inflammatory and insulinemic diets are associated with an increased risk of prostate cancer progression. If you look at the last two blue bars, you can see that this index accounts for the diet as well as physical activity and body mass index, and they're associated with a slightly higher risk of prostate cancer progression compared to those first three bars. And then if we look at the green bars, which are um, those indices associated with prostate cancer death, the, the results are slightly attenuated um, and the bars are slightly bigger. Um, but this is really due to just having smaller numbers. Next slide. Um, and so in conclusion, uh, diets and lifestyles that target diabetes prevention may reduce risk of prostate cancer death. And ways that one might go about doing this is to potentially lose extra weight, to be more physically active, to eat healthy plant foods, including fiber-rich foods, and to eat healthy fats such as olive oil, avocados, nuts, and nut butters. Next slide. Let's move on to highlight number three, plant-based diets and prostate cancer. This was analysis conducted in the health professionals follow-up study among 47,000 healthy men, where we sought to understand whether plant-based diet indices were associated with prostate cancer death. These indices were calculated from the food frequency questionnaire. And we looked at two different indices, an overall plant-based diet index and a healthy plant-based diet index. What we observed was that greater overall plant-based consumption was associated with a significantly lower risk of fatal prostate cancer. We found that the results were strongest among men less than 65 years of age. We are currently evaluating whether this plant-based diet index is beneficial for men with prostate cancer. So we're looking at this index after diagnosis and prostate cancer progression and death in both the health professionals follow-up study, as well as the capture cohort. And we hope to have results for these in the new year. Finally, let's go to highlight number four, the American Cancer Society 2022 report. This was a new report um, issued this year. The last was issued back in 2012, focused on um, diet and exercise guidance for, for people with cancer. Um, I was part of the panel to assess the evidence for urologic cancer, and we looked at the evidence based on literature reviews, meta-analyses, pooled analyses of cohort studies, and large randomized controlled trials. Next slide. 
first of all, I would like to just say that for general recommendations for any cancer survivor, we recommend that you seek nutritional and physical activity assessment and counseling as soon as possible after diagnosis. This will help prevent or resolve nutrient deficiencies, preserve muscle mass, prepare yourself for treatment, manage the side effects of treatments, and also cancer-related symptoms. I wanna highlight the findings for prostate cancer specifically. We evaluated two papers focused on diet and two papers focused on exercise. Regarding diet, we reported that greater raw vegetable intake is associated with a lower risk of prostate cancer-specific mortality and all-cause mortality, where raw vegetable intake and greater fruit intake are associated with lower all-cause mortality. We also looked at dietary patterns and reported that the Western diet was related to a higher risk of prostate cancer-specific mortality, as well as all-cause mortality, whereas the prudent diet and Mediterranean diet were both associated with a lower risk of all-cause mortality. Related to exercise, the data were very consistent, and we found that compared to the most active people and versus the least active people, those that were most active had a 31% lower risk of prostate cancer-specific mortality and a 40% lower risk of all-cause mortality. I will hand it back over to Dr. Chan now to put it all together for us. I've been charged to try to put all of this together. Uh, I want to thank Dr. Kenfield for presenting those great highlights. She's really emphasized papers that just came out in the last year related to diet and exercise and prostate cancer. So I'd like to just sort of take a moment and step back a little bit. And I'm going to summarize here. These are the recommendations for overall cancer prevention that comes out from the American Institute of Cancer Research. Most of this, I would hope, is familiar to everybody, but we'll just go through it as a good exercise. First of all, attain a healthy weight, be physically active, eat a diet that is rich in whole grains, vegetables, fruits, and beans, limit consumption of red and processed meat, limit consumption of sugar-sweetened drinks, Avoid those French fries and cheeseburgers and other fast foods and processed foods because these tend to be high in fat, starch, and sugar. Limit alcohol consumption. And then with regards to supplements, and I did answer a little bit in the chat, it's generally not recommended to use supplements for cancer prevention, and you should try to attain your nutritional needs through diet as much as possible in whole foods. And then what this professional organization recommends is that after a cancer diagnosis, one should continue to follow these same recommendations if you can, as well as consult your health professionals. So I just wanted to lay this out as a starting point for pulling it together. And so most of you may have heard the saying that men diagnosed with prostate cancer or most men diagnosed with prostate cancer will die of something else. Well, among that something else, heart disease is the leading cause of death. And so here, what I'm showing are 10 ways to improve your heart health put out by the American Heart Association. I'm not going to walk through all of these, but let it be known that most of everything on this slide here shown in these pictograms overlaps with what I just showed you on the prior slide on what is recommended for cancer prevention with two additional slight uh, uh, 
additional dietary recommendations here, specifically for heart disease, which is they emphasize using non-tropical plant oils and also cutting down on salt. So what I've just shown you is that the recommendations for heart disease and general cancer prevention, to the best of our knowledge, um, overlap quite a bit. And the good news also is that a lot of the findings that Dr. Kenfield has provided today and what has been published in the literature align with those same recommendations. And I'll show you a little bit more of that. But first of all, I really want to emphasize that across all of these major chronic diseases and causes of death, you know, two of the most important things that you can do is to avoid tobacco products and engage in regular physical activity. And this latter one, of course, also has uh, important effects on attaining a healthy weight, which is also important. So these three things have shown both from our data and others um, to be important for presenting, preventing heart disease, cancer, as well as prostate cancer death. So now I'd like to take a moment, sorry, I have to keep moving the controls out of the way. I'd like to take a moment to delve a little bit more into the dietary aspects or recommendations from these organizations and what we talk about for prostate cancer. So first of all, for heart disease, here are the specific dietary recommendations put out by the AHA. For general cancer prevention, what I showed on that earlier slide, you can note that these all fit in with those same dietary recommendations. So that is convenient. What I've added here in this column is to the best of our knowledge, what we understand would be beneficial for a man who's already been diagnosed with non-metastatic prostate cancer and trying to prevent prostate cancer progression or prostate cancer death. And as mentioned, uh, generally these things can align. So redu reduction of saturated fat and trans fat is recommended. Our specific findings have highlighted uh, or emphasized the importance of avoiding whole milk, and again, we recommend healthy fats such as nuts or olive oil. We would say to avoid processed meat and add to that to please try eating more fish or skinless poultry instead. And then within the vegetable section, everyone's heard this many, many times, but as Dr. Kenfield just highlighted, there is new evidence out now specifically about the benefit of plant-based diets, including raw vegetables, cooked tomatoes, and cruciferous vegetables. So. If someone is looking for more benchmarks, I'm just putting up here this slide that comes from the Prostate 8 clinical trial that was led by Dr. Kenfield and published on in 2019. For any of you who may have contributed, first of all, thank you, but you may remember this graphic. This is a magnet, which was to remind people about the eight recommendations. And so these give a little bit more detail than the prior slide with some benchmark goals. So the goals for exercise was three or more hours per week of vigorous aerobic activity, one serving per day of a healthy fat, one serving per day of a cruciferous vegetable, such as broccoli or cauliflower, getting two or more servings a week for cooked tomatoes or tomato products, two or more servings per week of fish, avoiding all processed meats, Again, not consuming supplements unless reviewed with the physician and then avoiding all tobacco products. So hopefully that gets to us, gives people a good set of goals or benchmarks. So you might be wondering what percent of people actually do all of those healthy things? Well, from our studies, unfortunately, less than 10% of 
men were in that top category of doing five to six of the healthy factors when looking, for example, at the 2015 score. And so that is why one aspect of our work has also extended to providing resources for individuals with cancer or prostate cancer specifically and their families and healthcare providers to educate them about these findings and also provide tips and tools and reminders, um, worksheets on how to get to those levels of exercise, how to incorporate those foods into one's diet. And recently, Dr. Kenfield and colleagues created this specific booklet focused on um, eating well and exercising after or during and after radiation treatment. And so please, these are all free PDF guides that you can download from the website here, or you can scan this QR code to access these as well. So with that, I'm going to hand it back to Dr. Kenfield to talk a little bit about our open studies. Okay, thank you. I wanted to highlight three studies that are open um, for prostate cancer patients. The first study is called Prostate 8 for Men Choosing Surgery. Men must enroll at least two weeks before surgery. This is a diet and exercise intervention. It's two years. Um, men are randomized to one of four programs. Each program provides different diet and exercise tools. Um, if you are interested, please contact Ada Sanchez about the study. The next study focuses on men on androgen deprivation therapy. It's a three-month intervention. It provides digital tools, including a website and text messages. You can do the entire study from the comfort of your home. If you're interested in this study, please contact Christine Wang. The third study is for men with metastatic prostate cancer called Interval Gap 4. This is a two-year exercise trial focused on looking at um, outcomes such as failure-free and overall survival. Men are randomized to remotely monitored exercise versus self-directed exercise. Um, and there are a few visits required at UCSF for exercise testing. If you want more information, please contact Armand Shodayev at the email that you see there. Um, for all of these studies, you can find more information at our website, as well as through this QR code shown on the screen. I also wanted to highlight Next slide. I also wanted to highlight studies that we do on multiple cancer sites. This is a study called Eat, Move, Sleep, led by Dr. Chan. In the study, um, abbreviated eMOVES, we asked participants to share their lifestyle habits and health information over time through online surveys. Again, this is a very easy study to participate in. And with your participation, you can really help us improve lifestyle recommendations for the millions of people um, living with cancer. Uh, please use that QR code that you can see on the screen to learn about the study. And you can also learn more by contacting emoves at ucsf.edu. Thank you so much. Stacey, you and I have a lot of questions. Eating fish or seafood, increased chance of recurrence. No, eating fish would be considered beneficial um, recommended food for all of the things that we just shown and, and including for prostate cancer. Does the absence of check marks in 2021 versus 2015 mean those factors don't matter at all? Um, Stacey, do you want to answer that? Yeah. So for the 2021 score, we removed the dietary factors and just focused on physical activity, smoking, and BMI. Um, so in, in fact, it actually looks like the, the score that we developed in 2015, really to look um, at 
incident, lethal prostate cancer in a group of healthy men seems beneficial also after diagnosis of prostate cancer. Um, so I think we would say that everything, both of those scores have some impact for men with prostate cancer. I was going to add, as Stacy mentioned, we have unpublished data that saw a benefit across all four scores. Um, the differences between 2021 and 2015 were the dietary factors. So I realize why it suggests in this one population, maybe diet didn't add more. We have yet another set of data coming out that, you know, supports the importance of diet. And so in our field of epidemiology and population health, it's important to see have this published or confirmed in, in multiple populations to see a pattern emerge. And from our view, it does look diet would continue, the dietary factors would continue to be important. Um, for eggs, I'm reading this, da, 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 is still a dietary market. Yes, uh, moderate egg intake is still recommended, especially because it also was up there. Um, sorry, I'm just checking. Make, I'm just make, reading this more carefully. Is still a dietary recommendation. Um, yes, I believe that would still be the case to have moderate egg intake. I think we answered the question on the benefits of a whole food plant-based diet. I'm not quite sure what it means to the exclusion of fish. Oh, because that would not include fish. Yeah. I think, a veg I basically, I think this is asking if a vegetarian diet uh, would be okay. I think that would still be fine, especially if you're meeting all your nutritional goals through plants. Which foods directly feed cancer cells? I don't think I can answer that directly since this is not exactly how our studies are done. I saw there was a sugar question earlier. I would answer that yes, preclinical studies where you have experimental models with cell lines do suggest that sugar has adverse effect on cancer cell lines. What we've presented today actually and uh, was, and that has also kind of been in the literature in the and other observational studies is that diets that um, diet and exercise patterns that lead to having high uh, sugar levels or not good control of your glucose or hyperinsulinemia um, or poor insulin sensitivity all could be linked to prostate cancer progression as well. I am not familiar with specific any bad things about stevia. Apologize, I don't know specifically about that. What are supplements to be avoided? Um, as I put in a more general question or response earlier, nutritional supplements have not supplements in our big population studies have generally not panned out specifically to have benefit for avoiding adverse prostate cancer outcomes, developing prostate cancer in particular. Um, there's three instances where they might be useful. If you have low vitamin D, go get tested first to determine if you have low vitamin D. Um, if you can't meet the needs via diet alone, so some people might have problems digest, digesting or have effects of their cancer treatments. So that's another instance where it might be helpful. And you need adequate amounts of calcium, vitamin D, and exercise to maintain strong bones. Um, so get, get what you can from foods, get your calcium nutrients from foods. And if not, you need to add a supplement to actually get adequate amounts. I'm going to take this question on, I know we have, we're at time, Eric, can I take the one question on alcohol? Mm -hmm. um, the alcohol data is a little bit confusing, I know, so because I will just start with prostate cancer because maybe that's what folks are most interested in. And in our research on prostate cancer, I know historically there's been some suggestion of a benefit, but then not. Um, in our study, most recent studies, it, it would be a very 
limited amount of alcohol. So as that was why you saw in the chart, I think we had it as three to five servings per week, which is less than once per day, was where we saw uh, a potential benefit. And that was limited, I believe, for wine in our study. Mm -hmm. um, but taking that in balance with cancer prevention and heart disease prevention, heart disease would say a moderate, would say a moderate intake of one to two drinks per day. For cancer, other cancers, is generally not recommended to drink alcohol or to be much more limited in one's consumption. So if you want to pull that all together, I guess if you already drink, I would say aim for less than once per day. So that three to five per week. If you don't drink much anyways, that's okay. I would not start just for the potential benefit of heart disease prevention. I think that's the key thing to get across. If you don't drink already, that's fine. No need to start drinking. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.